0: Hey, welcome to What Have We Been Watching This Week, a Super Bailey Bros podcast. Yes, yeah, so it's very exciting. I'm Laurie. I'm Phil. And we normally produce and present the Super Bailey Bros in Movieland podcast, your favourite pit stop <laughs> for the blockbuster movies hitting the screens. Oh, you betcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What we've been watching is a little offshoot of that, rather like Frasier uh, out of Cheers. Yeah, and hopefully this offshoot will be just as successful. Niles. Yes, exactly. Niles. Better even. No, no, it won't be better. No chance of that. It used to be a segment on our main podcast where Phil and I just love movies so much we watch stuff that isn't even on the cinema. Can you believe it? On our home television sets or <laughs> around the front. Oh, um, but the point is that we watched a lot of movies. They could be 50 years old. They could be out last month. They could be DVD. They could be Netflix, iTunes, whatever. And we just want to tell you guys what we thought about those i give you our recommendations, tell you which ones to stay away from, tell you what are the undiscovered gems that you might have missed when they're on the cinema.
1: And also maybe just to kind of work through the back catalogue. I mean, we've only been doing the podcast for a year. That's right. And we've got a lot of films which we haven't even had a chance to say anything about. True story, man. So this is our opportunity to talk about some classics, some unknowns. Yeah, as you say. Just movies
0: and it is worth saying that depending on whether you started with this podcast because the this podcast has launched with several episodes this is the first new one it's the first official one when this has been the incarnation the other what we've been watching is on the feed that are before this one are all things that we did for youtube or things that we did on our main show so yeah don't be confused i think i've made it confusing <laughs> you Phil. definitely have let's let's just let's just get on with it i think do you think we need to explain the jingle that we're about to play I think let it speak for itself, man. Okay, here you go. Right, so Phil, what have you been watching
1: this week? I have been watching The Count of Monte Cristo, Ooh. starring Jim Caviezel and Guy Pearce. Very good. And also The Amazing Spider-Man, the uh, Sony re to launch that franchise post-Toby Maguire, starring Andrew Garfield.
0: Mmm, intriguing. And I have seen The Ridiculous Six, Adam Sandler's much-maligned Netflix original and also Fever Pitch, a 90s movie starring Colin Firth based on a Nick Hornby novel. Interesting. I think I'm going to start with The Amazing Spider-Man. Good one. So, tell us a little bit about yourself, Mr. Parker. Not much to tell, really. Peter lives with his aunt and uncle. I forgot all about that thing. It was your dad. What are you doing here? I'm nothing. Do not get me in trouble. Don't touch anything. Peter, what's going on? Ready to play God? Do you have any idea what you really are? We all have secrets ones we keep and the ones that are kept from us
1: so yeah as i was saying before it's, this is the relaunch by sony to try and uh repackage spider-man post toby mcguire toby mcguire is very nice and friendly and a bit mary jane and then <laughs> andrew garfield comes in he's like hey i'm hip i'm cool he's hey, so got, cool i this. got my big flowy hair which is a bit like edward cullen and It's just trying to be a bit too down with the kids, maybe. Do you think so? Yeah, like they've got a new sleek design for Spider-Man's costume, which has... uh which just kind of looks a bit dark and a bit weird and bit creepy. try-hard. Yeah, and they've just mixed up the design. And I just think, who who needs to change Spider-Man's costume?
0: Just before you give us your review this time round, man, I mean, this came out a little while ago now. Did you like it when it first came out?
1: I didn't think it was a great film when I watched it in the cinema, but I did have a really good time, actually. And uh, upon rewatching, I I was quite surprised that, that, that that's what my thought was. So
0: you're sort of doing revisionist history right now. You're going back and you're looking again.
1: Yeah, definitely. I just don't know what I was thinking, really, because this film's really, really bad. Is it that bad? Yeah. That's not my memory of it, I have to say. I think if you watch it again, you'll you'll have forgotten all of the really, really bad bits, the kind of cringy bits, the super cheesy lining up, up, up of cranes. Spider Man to swing on oh, by a, a, a supportive crane driver.
0: Is that really the case? Yeah, that happens in the movie. Wow, I don't remember. Some that guy absolutely.
1: gives him a little salute and then gets all his <laughs> crane buddies to line up so he's got a clear shot. Well, that, man? To That's go good old fashioned
0: New York charm. We're all in this together.
1: I mean, there's they're all in this together and then there's just ridiculous and this is ridiculous. And to top it all off, you've got a villain which is just
0: weird. Who is it again in this it's movie? It's
1: Reese Ifans, if hands as the lizard. As the lizard, yeah. as Dr. Connors. Yeah, the the one arm scientist. He uses some newly discovered technology to try and regrow his arm and it's, turns into a... Lizards can
0: regrow their tails, can't they? So he figures, let's do that for my arm.
1: Yeah, so he injects it into himself and becomes sort of this just kind of weird Goomba. Like, it's, it's so bizarre. He has the weirdest face, and I don't really understand the creature design they've gone for. But coupled with that, is it's just not very good performance. I think, to the film's credit, one of the good things about the film is Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. They're playing Gwen Stacy, not Mary Jane, but Gwen Stacy.
0: That's truer to the comic books, isn't it?
1: Yep, so in the comics, uh, it started out with Gwen Stacy. Uh, she was the kind of first love of Peter Parker. Mm. And they have really good chemistry. They, they, they've they ended up dating in real life. And you can kind of tell that they've got a sort of genuine banter and sort of playful charm.
0: Mm. You're missing out, Martin Sheen. Who does everything possible not to say with great power comes great responsibility. You
1: stole my line and (laughs) he should have stolen that line as well because it's unbelievable how they try desperately to kind of reach that moment and then they kind of swerve around it really clumsily.
0: I think they're too self-conscious. But I mean, what other choice did they have? I don't know. Surely just kind of accept the fact that good moments are good moments and there's a reason why they're always there. Disagree, man. I think more than anything else, that represents Sony's desperate attempts to convince you they're not just repackaging something they've already done. It's a desperate way to say, look, we are doing something new with this franchise. We're not just trying to convince you to see a film you've already seen. I don't know.
1: Mark Webb is the director. He's the guy who did 500 Days of Summer, which I'm a big fan of. I know you're not so much of a fan of.
0: Let's not get into that right now.
1: He's still a relatively kind of new director, and you kind of tell that he's not necessarily 100% sure of how to kind of structure and, and guide the action, I guess. There's just not really any sense of spectacle or mythic quality to the film superheroes are kind of myths aren't they they're modern myths yeah yeah and and this doesn't really seem to kind of milk that for what it's worth I think Sam Raimi's Spider-Man was much better having those sort of moments where the hero discovers their power where a bit
0: more of a legend you mean
1: yeah exactly I mean comparing the film to the previous Spider-Man film with Tobey Maguire the film just does not match up in I think any regard I don't think there is maybe you could say Andrew Garfield and Emberstone kind of do something slightly better than Kirsten Dunst and Toby Maguire but I think even Toby Maguire and Kirsten Dunst had something
0: well it's interesting you're saying this because I think based on everything you're saying to me and my very limited knowledge of the Spider-Man comic books the I think the Andrew Garfield stuff is closer to the books because if you think about it the Peter Parker of the comic books is very fast talking and joking and quite sort of school kid cool isn't he and so he's not this kind of legend material in the comic books. He's just an everyday hero. You know, your, what is it, your favourite neighbourhood Spider-Man? friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man, your favourite. Uh, and also, he is kind of a bit of a geek, but not an uber-geek. One of the things about Toby Maguire is that he's really, like... A proper sort of looks like an alien. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like the way that he comes across is just the school nerd. Whereas Andrew Garfield is more just a bit of a geek, isn't he? But a cool geek who skateboards everywhere.
1: I think that might be is the modern version of Spider Man. I think that there's been numerous is situations. Is that not what the comics are like? No, I think the original comic he was just a straight up nerd. He was much more like Tobey Maguire. Really, he, he just was a bit lame and he hung out with his Aunt May. Mm. Uh, I think the this is kind of like this is this is studio exec saying, right? We want to make Spider Man cool again. How can we make him cool? Let's give him a skateboard to ride. Mm -hmm. You know, let's make him uh, a bit of a tech wizard and things like that and good with computers. So he's got a special lock on the door that he can operate from his computer. I
0: forgot about that. I haven't seen it in a long time, actually.
1: Watch it again. (laughs) I guarantee you'll be massively disappointed. Do you think this has been a career killer for Andrew Garfield? I hope not. I like that guy. I think he's got some talent and um, he's just been in a film, actually, with Mel Gibson, which is getting lots of uh, praise. Mel Gibson's new directorial mm. uh, effort and so I think he'll be alright he's he's kind of regarded as a good actor
0: well he was awesome in the social network as, yes what is his Eduardo, name? Eduardo, Eduardo Saverin yeah there you go
1: he, which he's very good in I think he'll be fine but maybe he kind of wished he got a better, a better chance at the at the franchise
0: anyway what's the grade man
1: I'm gonna say as a Spider-Man film which is is a personal favourite of mine I think this is like a, a C minus that bad yeah I, I really didn't like it this time and I was really shocked that Previously, I enjoyed myself because I just think, how did I enjoy this film?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, Now, listeners, uh, this is a good opportunity to say you need to get in touch if you just disagree with everything that Phil said there. Or if you agree, you want to say plus one to Phil. Yeah, he's the man. No one's going to say that. (laughs) Everyone's going to say that. (laughs) No chance, man. Uh, But send it to superbailybros at gmail.com or at superbailybros on Twitter. And if we start building up a bit of what we've been watching correspondence, then we might, you know, insert that into the podcast.
1: Yes, yes. (laughs) <laughs> and do check out the other podcasts as well. Yeah,
0: please do. I mean, well, we can come back to that later. Right now, it's what we've been watching. Laurie, what's your film? Shall I go for a Fever Pitch first? Because I think The Ridiculous Six, there's been a lot said about that, so I kind of want to save that to the end. Okay, yeah, I'm intrigued by this film. I've heard about it. Well, here we go. Fever Pitch.
1: We don't have to go to Arsenal every time I'm in London, do we? I
0: would have thought we'd be on that stage now. We'll never be beyond that stage. Would you like a lift? You don't know where I live. Yes, I do, crouching. how about you? Arsenal. Awesome. Inside the stadium or just nearby. Well, what was she like? Ah, oh, she's just one of those women, you know, if you like football, you must be a yob. Is she fit?
1: What are those? I and Hughes ending up with a yob. Ah, let's go get
0: Hammond. Yeah! Everyone's like that, you know you'll be seeing your sister next season. Sisters don't have seasons. Whatever. Yes, yes, yes. 21 years I've been going to Arsenal. 21 years. I'm going next week to a football match. Yeah! It's all a sinister form of male manipulation. It's Saturday's the one day of the week when I'm not a responsible adult. I'll turn it to someone your age, especially not as sensible as you. Goal! You're careful and, and organised and all that sort of thing. I need somebody like that. And you need somebody like me. The opposite. I wanted Arsenal to win the league longer than I wanted to do anything. Yeah, so Colin Firth is playing an Arsenal nut. For any American listeners, Arsenal, uh, they probably know what Arsenal is, don't they? Yeah. They're the one of the number one soccer teams in the Premier League. <laughs> and uh, this, this Colin Firth, as a kid, his uh, parents weren't together. And one of the ways that he got to know his dad was through football matches. His dad finally found something that his son liked to do. So that when he came down to visit, they went to the game together. And it just started off the young Colin Firth's life. As a passionate fan who knows all the lads, knows all the players, and he lives and dies with the successes and failures of his football team. Uh, And in his job, he's a teacher at the local school who's very popular because he's so laid back and he can do all the football chat with all the dads that come in. Yo, yo, yo. Yeah, yeah. And there's a great scene where a mum comes in for parents' evening and says, look, my boy, he likes the football, but his dad's not around and... I really want to help him out and take him to a game, but I just don't know what to do. And he gives her advice, which she loves, obviously. And then a really nice moment later in the film, you see that same mum with a big Arsenal scarf watching a game with her son. Oh, that is, is a really nice, nice moment. And that is classic Nick Hornby, I think it's fair to say. The writer of the novel... Uh, that then became the film in this case.
1: Nick Hornby's the guy who uh, wrote, the, wrote the books and things for About a Boy. That's correct. High Fidelity. Yeah, that's right. Brilliant movie with John Cusack. He wrote the screenplay for Brooklyn. Yeah, which is a modern film. And then also another one of his films have been remade. I think it was called The Long Way Down. And that's got who, who in it? Piers Bronin in it. Piers yeah.
0: Bronin. Oh, I'm glad he said Piers Bronin. That's Piers Brosnan. That's an in-joke that will become clear, I suppose. Anyway, this film really kicks off. That's the setting, but it really kicks off. That's, I'm using a football term there, Phil. Did you get it? No, no, very Kick funny, off very really funny. begins when a mysterious lady comes into Colin first life, a new teacher at the school. This new teacher is called Sarah, and she does things very by the book. Phil, she wants to impress, and is kind of a bit irritated and a bit jealous. ...of this Colin Firth guy... ...who seemed, everything seems to come easy to him... ...everyone likes him... ...he doesn't plan his lessons... ...Mr Popular... ...yeah his kids all love him... ...and everything else... ...and they have the classrooms next door... Her ...kids are all very well behaved... ...and Colin Firth <laughs> are all shout. ...you know you got it... ...and she is played by Ruth Gemmell... ...and I would imagine... ...that's not a familiar name to you Phil... ...never heard of her... ...she is more of a feature... ...on the stage... ...than on screen... ...and I think this is one of her... ...very very few feature film roles... ...she's currently in Penny Dreadful... ...and has been a lot of British TV series... Personally, I think that's a shame because I think she, in a weird way, holds this film together, much like her character. As there's a budding romance between this teacher, you know, of course, of course. the uptight teacher and the lazy slob. You know, you can see it happening a mile away, <laughs> and they they constantly make jokes about that. Her girlmates keep laughing at her, saying, "Have you, you know, have you slept with them yet?" That kind of thing. Right, right, right. Uh, when they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but she kind of holds the whole film together through a really quite a nuanced performance. I think she plays it brilliantly. And there's something about the way that she and Colin Firth interact that just feels so authentically, genuinely British. It's the gift of Nick Hornby to put it across. But also, they were just perfectly chosen actors. Is Colin Firth playing classic Colin Firth? No, thank goodness for that. He's not Mr. Darcy, and he's not Mark Darcy, and he's not King George or whoever he was. Uh, he- <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah. He's not those- King George. Yeah. yeah, he's none of those guys. He's not Mr. Reserved, best of British, TDH. You know what TDH is, Phil? It's all dark and handsome. Come on, man. Keep up. <laughs> he plays the football fan brilliantly. Like, he's passionate. He's kind of sweary. He, his emotions really do fluctuate in a very believable way. He's got incredibly unruly hair. He dresses like a bit of a slob. He's brilliant in the role. And it's one of those weird moments where I realise, hang on a second. This guy's actually an actor. <laughs> Colin Firth <laughs> not, can act. He's actually an He's not just Colin Firth. So and yeah, their chemistry was great, and it was funny, man. I really, I really enjoyed it. A special mention also has to go to Mark Strong, who I didn't even recognize until I checked the cast list at the end of the film. I thought he looks so much like Mark Strong, but it can't be Mark Strong because he transforms. I don't know what, how it, he looks so different, but he's got a shaved head, and there's something slightly less chiseled. Unless sort of, I'm Mark Strong, Mr. Handsome and Imposing. And he just looks like a football nut. Like, it's really strange, but he, he plays Colin Firth's best mate in the film. And they've got great, like, bantery chemistry, taking a mick out of each other and all that kind of thing. Basically, man, I really enjoyed it, and I think it's worth a go. Now, I've heard about
1: uh, a fever pitch film, but it's not this one. It's a American film. And Jimmy Fallon, and I think Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Uh, it was an ex-lady friend of mine's favourite film. Is that the case? I could not watch it. I fell asleep. Um, so I'm kind of intrigued to see if this film does work. Is, it, is Arsenal massively part of the film?
0: Yeah, football's huge. But it, they do that really well. Like, he, Nick Homme does manage to communicate the sort of emotional significance of football uh, to this kid and his family as well. And you do he's annoying at first Colin Firth, and you think he can't really be like that. He's just putting it on. But as the film progresses, you really do believe in the passionate love that these fans have for it because it's bigger than football. It's I can't imagine Jimmy Fallon sort of somehow stuff. communicating that.
1: Well, he's doing it about a baseball team, and I think Americans really do go nuts over baseball. But Jimmy
0: Fallon though. Yeah, he yeah.
1: Anyway, we're not talking about that film, we're talking about this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you want
0: to add before you give a grade? I would say it's not it doesn't do anything spectacular at all so there are no real scenes that you would write home about there's no sort of real centrepieces um, except possibly towards the end one scene but so it's it's quite middle middle of the road it's the kind of film you love film delightfully small yeah exactly a, a film that delights in telling quite a small tale very well, and with a lot of love. And I think it is quite authentically British. It's not the Richard Curtis, lovey-dovey London, where everyone lives in Notting Hill. <laughs> Did you coin that
1: phrase, lovey-dovey London?
0: I'll go for it, yeah. <laughs> I'll take a one, it, like it time. It's a bit... It's just, but it's not, you know, this is England, or whatever it is. <laughs> right. It's in the middle. It's, a, it's whimsical and Nick Hornby-esque. So, for me, it gets a B plus. Okay, that's cool. I'm, you kind of sold it for me, man. Yeah, worth a watch. Okay. What's your next? Okay, I'm going to finish off
1: my films this week with... The Count of Monte Cristo.
0: Edmund Dantes had a promising future. Hey! And a love. I missed you so. That any man would envy. As soon as I can afford the ring, we'll I wait. Don't need a ring. I don't. You're under arrest by order of the magistrate of Marseille. I demand an explanation. It was you? Why are you doing this? It's complicated. Oh, <gasps> I didn't quite understand why you were betraying him, but now, having seen his exquisite fiance, I understand completely. I am innocent. Inform Mercedes that Edmond Dantes has been executed. My advice? Take solace in the comfort of your good friend. No! He welcome of escape In return for your help, I offer something priceless. The treasure of Monte Cristo. follow the clues you are wealthier than any man I have ever heard of
1: what do you want to buy revenge The Count of Monte Cristo is based on a book by well you might have already heard of it if you've seen Shawshank Redemption
0: correct should I play that clip yeah (laughs) I think we can do that
1: Count of Monte Cristo by Alexandre dumbass dumbass (laughs) this is set in sort of napoleonic times and it follows uh the story of a young guy played by jim caviezel who uh is just a sort of merchant guy and uh he's on a, a sort of a, a trading vessel and has to stop over at an island which happens to be where Napoleon is being held prisoner mm. and while he's there he uh he's a very kind man, and Napoleon asks him to send a message to a friend back home, and he sort of he the, the emotional yeah. plea that Napoleon gives uh convinces him he's going to do it, so he takes it back to his little port town and then delivers the message and uh kind of forgets about it. But his friend, who was also on the, the vessel, a slightly rich guy, man, Pierce, isn't it? played by Guy Pierce, yes, he has seen what has gone on between Napoleon and this guy. And he sets about in motion, basically making sure that this young man, Jim Caviezel's character, will pay. And unbeknownst to um, Edmond, can I call him Ed, Edmund? Eddie. Eddie. <laughs> unbeknownst to Eddie, he ends up getting put before uh, a police chief or, or sort of for the district or a kind of high profile governor sort of type and sort of inexplicably is sent off to a very nasty prison indeed. And so he's trapped in there for many, many years. And while he's there, he happens to meet another cellmate who tells him about life. It's basically
0: Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> from the 1500s or whenever the book was written, isn't it? Mm. It's played by Richard Harris. Aha, uh-huh. Dumbledore, no
1: less. Yes, Dumbledore, and also Marcus Aurelius.
0: Marcus Aurelius. Uh Maximus... Commodus will not be Emperor. Specto Patronum. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> what? No, uh, sorry. Anyway,
1: because he met, meets this guy, it leads to events which completely dramatically changes Edmond's circumstances. And in the process, he decides to set out to get revenge on those who've put him into this fate. Mm. And yeah, this is an absolute classic. As it was mentioned in uh, uh, Shawshank Redemption, it's kind of a prison break and it's kind of a revenge story. And it is just top quality storytelling.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've read the book and I I don't think you have, Phil, have you? No, I've seen the film and I've always wanted to, but it's an absolute slab. It's huge. I I think it's remarkable for being incredibly readable, even for the vast number of pages and, you know, quite wide ranging vocabulary. It's amazing how much you want to keep turning the pages, all 1000 plus of them. The film is definitely not um, descriptive of the book. They're two very, very different things, but that doesn't make the film bad. No, it doesn't. I really enjoyed this film and...
1: There's something kind of rich about it. You can really tell that it's come from a, a classic sort of literature background because the characters feel very fleshed out. Jim Caviezel, I have to say, gives a really believable performance good man. of sort of naivety and sort of rage. There's a certain rage and intensity that you don't really expect from the character when you first meet him. I think the range of uh, emotions that uh, Jim Caviezel shows in the arc of this character is really quite staggering. The other standout performance is undoubtedly Guy Pearce, There's something uniquely magnetic about him when he's on the screen. You might know him from Memento. Yeah. And he pops up again and again. He's one of those actors who does never is out of work, but almost seems to be selective of what roles he chooses to do. He's
0: often in smaller movies than I expect because I've never seen him give a bad performance. And as you say, he's magnetic. Like he's incredible at stealing the camera away from other actors i actually saw him in a film called lawless quite recently have you heard of that yeah with shia hardy and shia labeouf like big screen presences but you just watch guy pierce play this really really odd evil character and i just find it odd that he's not approached more often it may be he's just too intense a screen presence that he needs to be sort of moderated or he just chooses what roles he wants to do. He doesn't feel As the need say, to do something yeah. he doesn't want to do. But I can't believe that that he's that sort
1: of actor because he started in like Australian soaps. He's I in know. like Home or Away or Neighbours? Neighbours. I'm pretty sure it was Neighbours. I think it was Neighbours, but it was one of those two, one of the big Australian soaps. And you just think, wow, who knew that quality could come from there? Mm. Having said that, Chris and Liam Hemsworth also from Home and Away. Man, wow, look
0: at that. It's a breeding, breeding ground for, for Australian talent. talent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: um, but anyway, his character is really, really just dark and human it's like the darkest version of a human character and he plays it with perfection you really believe that he would be disgusted by Edmond and just jealous like you said really jealous of him and the fact that he seems indifferent to his circumstances it's a really good performance from him but not only that the narrative I, I haven't read the book so I can't really compare but I think the narrative is really well done it it twi- twists and turns and intertwines itself with all these different elements and it's just really fun watching um, Edmond go from a victim to somebody who's unbelievably competent. There's, I really like uh, narratives which seem to be about people calling out from the, the lowest point into something more successful. And uh, on the way, he kind of acquires a buddy who's unbelievably loyal to him. Yeah, yeah. And there's something, I don't know, there's sort of this sense of uh, purpose and direction which gives such a satisfying end. And I think it's one of those films which maybe people have overlooked in the past.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I can imagine it having been given short shrift at the time because of the way it treated a classic movie. And people are very touchy when it it comes to touching classics. But it's a good adventure action romp, and it's not too long either. It crams a lot into uh, that screen time, doesn't it?
1: And if you don't want to look like a dumbass, then this is a good way to get up to date with a literary classic without having to read the book. Nice work, Phil. Mm. and one last thing one last thing before I give a grade if you ever want to see what Superman looks like when he's a bit tubby Henry Cavill is in this film it's
0: no way (laughs)
1: yeah he plays uh, 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 well he plays a character later on in the film and he's kind of got this chubby sort of geekiness to him I
0: completely missed that that's way before he was Mr Big Shot
1: way before anything other he's been in and I remember when it was announced that he was going to play Superman in Man of Steel I was like, that guy, that, <laughs> no that chubby loser. <laughs>
0: like, what are you talking about? Like he's got Mr. Be... Handsome. Well, he's
1: ripped now. So fair play to me. We use that baby weight to make some muscle. Incredible. I gotta yeah. look that up. <laughs> Check it out.
0: Do you know what, man? One final thing on this one it makes you think, and depending on your cultural reference points, I think the narrative here is a little bit like, you know, you said you love seeing them dig themselves out of a hole and succeed. It reminds me of fantastic Mr. Fox, the role dial tale, when you've got this fox guy who gets in trouble, but it's just so smooth and his plans are so good. He sort of rises up out of it. Or you could say it's like the original Batman narrative. Oh, interesting! You know what I mean? Well, kind of. I mean, it's obviously there's differences, but there are similarities as well. That is very interesting. To very interesting. Appetites.
1: With a bit of literary thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. What's the grave man? I'm gonna give this film personally for me. I'm gonna give it an A+. I really, really enjoyed this film, and it's one which I've always thought, man, I need to read that book.
0: You do. I'll lend it to you. Thank you. Nicely done, man. <laughs> Cheers, <Okay>. bro. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Right, and to finish off, let's do the ridiculous six. Apparently there's some new gang out there robbing everybody blind. Half the lawmen in the West are already looking for us. You know which way them there uh, ridiculous six rode off to? This is gonna be so much fun. No. (laughs) If Frank Stockburn is your father, raise your hand. Huh? God dang. Who are you people? We are the Starkburn brothers. Don't forget about numero 6! you brothers ready to go save dad? Daddy. Works better if you have knives.
1: <laughs> I'm
0: ready. I'm hungry. I'm drunk. I'm low paid. Eat your Well, we're unstoppable then.
1: Hate that voice. Hey, I'm, I'm Adam Chandler
0: doing little Nicky. Really, oh, really creepy. Especially, I, I can see your face. You look like an angel. Yeah, you can. Oh, stop I that I hate now. that
1: film, and I'm not a massive fan of Adam Sandler. Do you hate Adam Sandler? I don't hate him. I won't say that. Hate's a strong word, but
0: I, I'm not a fan of his movies. Now, I think we should just. I mean, this is a review for the ridiculous Sisks. Don't worry, we are going to get there. Why do you dislike his movies so much? Because that is a very widely held opinion. Uh, for me, it's a certain
1: sense of humor where I, I just think it's lazy. I think it's obvious and low hanging fruit. That seems to be my. Yeah, I can see the jokes coming a mile away and they're cheap jokes and they're sort of just really childish jokes as you well. Think? And I always feel like Adam Sandler's not really trying very hard and he kind of thinks maybe doing a bit of a silly voice is going to patch over some kind of shoddy performances.
0: And does it annoy you considering that he's done Punch Drunk Love? Have you ever seen that? Paul Tom I've Sandler, heard that's maybe? the
1: film to see if you want to see Adam Sandler well, act.
0: It just proves that he can do it and he knows how to perform and actually he's... we're saying this about guy pierce in a completely other way i think adam sandler himself has a weird kind of screen presence and when he uses it he he really uses it but perhaps it does allow him to be lazy when he just can't be bothered right well look as phil has pointed out there i think all of those comments could be leveled at this movie i just want to ever so slightly speak a tiny bit in its defense am i allowed to do that It's your funeral. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't like it, so I'll get out of jail straight away. I didn't think it was good, and I didn't particularly enjoy watching it, but it isn't the absolute disastrous offensive mess that everyone else says it is. I think I just want to really quickly knock the offensive nail on the head, because this movie has been singled out for being quite racially stereotypical, and lazy uh, and, you know uh, Taylor well, Lautner Native, Native Americans we well, are come on to that Taylor Lautner is in this as well and he plays someone who has a learning disability of some sort so he plays it kind of like a, a yokely Wild West yokel and people have said that's offensive people have said the, uh, the way that Native American characters uh, are portrayed as offensive he gives them kind of um, carry on esque names if you know what I mean that take the mick out of flying wolf or whatever it is right I see what you mean yeah they're rude basically like one of them is called beaver breath and you can you know make of that what you will now, I think it is right to say that that is low-hanging fruit and it's offensive and it, it's kind of a, a slightly superior joke to make. Like, we're not like this or, or we're not these people, so it's fine to laugh at them. And that's what everyone reacts to. But it doesn't sound like it's even close to as offensive as the racial stereotyping in Sausage Party, which is currently being widely praised by critics for being so clever and edgy. So, what? Well, go figure. I don't get it. You saw Sausage Party, Phil.
1: Yeah, I really hated that film. Maybe it's because it's animation and, I mean, South Park, Trey, uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, the creators of that, they've often talked about the fact they get away with stuff because it's a cartoon.
0: Right. And so maybe because this isn't a cartoon, doesn't get away with it. So this is my way of saying I'm not going to address it, but I don't get the uproar. I'm not surprised it's offensive, but I don't get I don't get why this film should be singled out for being offensive when so many others are. Anyway, that aside, this movie stars Adam Sandler who plays a lone wolf guy. Uh, He was born into a a Native American tribe and they've raised him. And he's kind of one of these superheroes. So he's got amazing knife-throwing skills. He throws, shoots arrows up in the air and then catches them in his mouth without getting hurt. Ha ha ha. Good joke. And his dad turns up, played by Nick Nolte, of all people. Oh, really? And his dad says uh, he's, uh, I think, unwell and he has to raise a certain amount of money to pay off his debts. And he gets taken captive by a band of criminals um, just after he's met up with his son and he says, Look, unless you can pay the money, then your dad's going to die. So then Adam Sandler starts out on a journey to get the money to save his dad. And along the way, he happens to meet his five brothers, all from same dad, different mothers. And that right. obviously, yeah, comic potential obviously in series because you can make a joke about the way they're all different based on who their mother was. You've got Taylor Lautner it's one of the brothers. And all credit to the guy in one way. He is as far away from Jacob the Hunky Werewolf as you'll ever see him. Mm. Uh, kind of funny, but like I said earlier on, a bit worryingly so. You, you can't tell whether it's on the right side of the line or not. There's also Terry Crews is one of the brothers. Oh, yeah, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Correct, yeah. George Garcia, who was in Lost, I think, at one point. Uh, Jorge. Are you correct, yeah, uh, and then Rob Schneider, who plays a Mexican, he's always in Adam Sandler films. Yeah, yeah, and Luke Wilson turns up later on as well. So a really odd bunch of guys. There's also uh, another sort of criminal gang who play sort of second fiddle to all the action and keep on getting in the way, led by Will Forte, who was Magruba. Oh yeah, yeah, and Steve Zahn also joins in uh, their gang at one point as well. And th- their gang is the Left Eye Gang, and because they've all gouged out their right eyes and wear patches over their right eyes. And Steve Zahn joins. The, the problem with Steve Zahn. And again, is this offensive? You, I think it probably is. <laughs> Personally, uh, Steve Zahn's left eye is lazy, so he can't really see out of it properly, but his right eye is fine. But he wants to join the gang, so there's a scene in which they say, well, it's the left eye gang, so the good eye's got to go. And that there's is... an awful scene where that happens. Oh, I'm not going to tell you that I didn't laugh, though, Phil, because it, is, it's a fun- <laughs> it was kind of funny in an awful sort of way. Right, okay. Now, I mean, it's a stupid film. You've got everything you need to know from the plot there. They do robberies to raise the money, uh, and eventually there's kind of double crosses along the way, and they take the mick out of the Western genre. It is a parody, it's not a satire. It's not clever. It's not particularly funny. It is offensive. But, I mean, it, what do you expect? I mean, that's what I expected. And for that reason, it was actually quite watchable. You say Adam Sandler's lazy, he is, it is, <laughs> looks lazy, he just doesn't do anything the whole film, he plays it totally straight. He knows how to churn out a movie, I'll give him that. And it, it is churned out, the Wild West setting is there, and I quite enjoyed seeing it, it was quite well shot, It's quite well realised, it was nice surprising bits of detail, given the kind of production it is, the music's okay, the sort of heists are okay, there are jokes in there. It's just all very average, but not kind of annoyingly average, it's very watchably average complimented by some genuinely funny moments that i was really surprised by like there's cameos from steve buscemi he oh, yeah. turns up and he's a he's a sort of insane barber his scenes are quite uh, surreal but funny harvey Keitel is in it uh playing a guy who's got a gripe with them and <laughs> their encounter with him leads to uh, well i don't know quite how to describe it but you know <laughs> a headless chicken will flap around right in this case, a headless gunslinger will shoot <laughs> blindly. Oh, no. And again, like, it's really tasteless. But I can't tell you that I didn't laugh because I did. It was funny and it was really weird. And for all the ways you want to say it's lazy, I have never seen that in a film. Have you? No, I, okay. Yeah, what? you're getting my point. And one more as well. And some people say this is really bad. Um, David Spade turns up, another Adamson uh, favourite. Staple, yep. And he plays General Custer. Right. And he uh, is accompanied... By Mark Twain, who's played by Vanilla Ice. And they, can- <laughs> they join a rich businessman to play a very high-stakes poker game, where they're later joined by Wyatt Earp as well. But Vanilla Ice plays Mark Twain as like a rapper. And he comes in as like, yo, I've got this crazy verse coming in, man. People are going to lose their minds. And the thing was, man, yet again, I laughed at that. You know, see me, I thought it was funny. <laughs> I-, I laughed. I can't deny it. I laughed enough times... ...for this not to be a train wreck of a film. It's offensive, yes. I'm not surprised it's offensive and I can't approve or condone that at all. Again, I don't think it's any worse than a lot of other movies that are being praised at the moment... ...so I don't get the hate directed at it for that reason. I thought it was very average and lazy. It's not going to win any awards. But I laughed enough that I saw why it got made and I saw why Adam Sandler's Adam Sandler... And to be honest, I think there is an easy bandwagon. If you want to be like, yeah, I know film a bit, then you can just take the mick out of Adam Sandler. And the thing is, you can't do that without ignoring the fact that he does know how to get a movie made. Interesting, interesting. I mean, I'm getting the
1: sense, knowing you, because you're my brother, Uh I think you went in with the lowest
0: expectations ever.
1: I that's, did. Yeah. And so that's well, look, the can thing. you
0: blame me? Everyone says it's awful. It's got a 0% on Rotten
1: Tomatoes. But even you would say like, you're not a fan of Adam Sarn, are you?
0: No, I mean the water boy, what a pile of rubbish. <laughs> I like Happy Gilmore. I <laughs> Happy didn't Gilmore's mind sort Happy of, of an exception.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Jack and Jill, you're not a fan of, are you?
0: No, come on. I mean, I don't like Adam Sarn. I'm not going to pretend I do, but again, it just, it just was not the offensive train wreck I thought it would be.
1: There you go. Maybe it's a bit of a surprise. Maybe it's Is not that controversial, do you think? I think I think there's going to be a lot of people who say what are you talking about, Laurie? You clearly don't know movies, blah well, blah, I, blah blah blah. I
0: dare anyone who feels that way. I dare you, I dare <laughs> I dare you to look at the scenes I'm talking about. The Mark Twain bit and the headless um <laughs> gunslinging guy and not at least chuckle. Okay, interesting. I think you're going to get a bit of heat for that. I'm if okay you want to that. give That's Laurie what, some... And that, that, it's a good example because that is what this podcast is about, man. I, I'm, I've kind of deliberately done it this way, which the whole point is to stir up your thoughts and try and challenge some of your preconceptions. You can tell us we don't know what we're talking about or you can totally agree with us. That is the deal. There you go. So if you
1: want to give Laurie some heat,
0: you can email us in at superbaileybros at gmail.com
1: or you can tweet us at superbaileybros and yeah let us know whether or not you agree with us if you disagree with us instantly that is a C by the way oh yeah thank you very much Laurie C grade for the ridiculous six mm-hmm. uh, we do a little competition on the main podcast Super Bailey Bros in Movie Land where we give we well the listeners give us plus ones minus ones and we've got a bit of a running tally going on I think I'm in the lead right now Laurie aren't I yeah you're always in the lead I don't understand it I'm, I'm of the people for the people uh if you agree with laurie and you want to give him support give him a plus one let us know if you want to give me a bit of support give me a plus one and if you disagree with us both give us minus one
0: yeah yeah and as phil mentioned there do check out the super belly rose Movie movieland podcast if you've not ever come across it we'd love you to join us there where we talk about the films that are out in cinemas and we do kind of general filmy chit chat like a film magazine show Yeah, yeah yeah in the last episode we did a thing about pop songs that are used awesomely uh in movies so much so that when you hear them you think of the movie scene or vice versa so yeah give it a listen if you haven't yeah check it out and if you come
1: over from the uh the super bailey bros and you're listening to what we've been watching maybe give us a little review
0: that'd be great oh yeah do pop us up give us an itunes review and thank you so much for doing so yeah we'd love to get right in at new and noteworthy we enjoyed our time there last time we were in there for ages and ages man we hit number one that number one spot loads of times let's do it again super bailey
1: bros round two
0: (laughs) right well that's all i got to say thanks so much guys look out for another one next week and uh, yeah just again another reminder that if you listen to the other podcasts in this feed know that they were all done before we decided to launch this on its own but hey hope you enjoy them catch up all right bye thanks guys bye